Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Joel. We're on week three of our series, Compelling Disciples of Jesus. Compelling Disciples of Jesus. And we've been talking through the three pillars of discipleship that we've been working through. And so if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, the, the thing is, is that this series is all about building resilient disciples of Jesus. Not just resilient, but disciples that go into the world and restore people back to God. How many people know that the enemy, Satan, would like to take so many people from this world, but it is the job of disciples of Jesus to bring those people back to Jesus? We know the real way, the real truth, the hope, the life that that we follow, and it is our job to go and restore what the enemy has taken and bring it back to God. You know, that's what we did with this property. That's what we do. That's what what we're going to do. All You know, churches all over our city are taking land that was maybe once claimed by the enemy, taking that back to God. So it's exciting. Every, Every time you see a church take ground, you know, every time you see a church baptized, that's what we're doing. We're disciples of Jesus, taking things that were once claimed by the enemy and restoring them back to God. How many people want to be a person like that, that brings that? That's awesome. Yeah. And so we've been working through the three pillars of discipleship because we want to be well-rounded followers of Jesus. And so if you've been here the last couple weeks and you know these three pillars, could you please, as loud as you can, say them with me as we go through them today. Number one, presence. All right, we're going to do it together. I should count in. That's why. Let's, let's, let's erase it. Let's go back. We're going to count in together so we do this nicely. One, two, three. Beautiful. Now, one, two, three. We're going to go formation. All right, you didn't know which one was coming next. That's okay. One, two, three, formation. And, and oh, wow, we're, we did not practice this or do this in first service. One, two, three, mission. So as we're followers of Jesus, well-rounded followers of Jesus, we want to be compelling disciples that renew things back to God and that are resilient against the world. And so we need these things operating in our life, presence, formation, mission. What happens when they're not? Well, if it's all presence, we become hyper-spiritual. And so what happens in hyper-spiritualism is often you'll think that your voice is God's voice. You'll also confuse emotions with truth at times. And so we talked about the presence of God last week, and it was beautiful. How many people experienced more of the presence of God this week because of, you know, some stuff that you maybe applied last week? Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Um, that's great. We need the presence of God operating in our life. But if it's all presence and none of the other things, we become hyper-spiritual. Then we get into formation. And what happens if, is if we're all formation and nothing else, we become a spiritual narcissist. We start to think that the church and the world revolves around us and that we should, you know, walk around correcting this or that. And so it's, it's not a great thing to lean into only formation. We need more than that because we're going to turn people away from Christ if we're spiritual narcissists. Well, what happens if we're all mission is we have secular renewal. So we might go and do things that look like they're for Christ, but they're not leading people back to Christ. And so we want all of these things operating in us so that we are compelling disciples, compelling missional disciples is what that word says, that restore the world back to Christ. And today we're gonna talk about formation. Formation is a a little bit of a new word. You wouldn't have heard it a lot, but we want Christ to be formed in us. And this is actually the end result of our life, that when we get to heaven, what happens is when we see Jesus, 
we are formed into his image even more than we are today. That all that nastiness, all the things we are wrong about, all the things like the theology that we'll build through our whole lives, we'll lay it at the feet of Jesus. So we'll see him for the first time. We'll be just like him in 1 John 3, 2. says this, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known. But we know when Christ appears, we shall be like him. But we shall see him as he is, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. My message this, uh, this morning is called Imitation Leads to Transformation. How many people had a friend growing up that your parents would not allow you to go to that friend's house because they were a bad influence on you? Come on, you know who I'm talking about. It's like little Jimmy, right? You're not hanging out with little Jimmy because you come home cursing from his house, Right? Or, or, or whatever, you come home obsessed with video games or, or I don't know, girls, maybe it was little Jessica for you. Uh, little Jessica is like, you know, doing na naughty things and you, you, you're not allowed to go to Jessica's house, all right? You come back, you got all this attitude when you come back from Jessica's house, you won't listen. My wife's name is Jessica. And, <laughs> and she did start to influence me when we were hanging out. Well, when we spend time with someone, we start to imitate them. And when we imitate them, our lives start to be transformed. And so this can happen, obviously, in the bad way. We can hang out with some people that, you know, want to go and gamble all their money away in Vegas every month. And, and it can lead you to some, some bad stuff that way. Or you can imitate some people who are all about, you know, following Jesus. They're humble. They're, they're, whatever they're building the business or the, and they're building the kingdom of God, you can get around those people, start to imitate them and you'll st start to see Christ formed in you. The, the, the goal of it, of life is to observe Jesus and allow his actions and his ways of thinking to influence my ways of thinking and living. And Jesus uh, said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, walk with me, work with me, Watch how I do it. So what is formation? Or maybe you'll hear it called spiritual formation. The word I'm going to use this morning is transformation. What's the idea of this? Is to think, to love, and to act like Jesus. To think, to love, and to act like Jesus. Compelling disciples of Jesus are not just people who think this whole Jesus thing is a good idea. Or who think, you know, oh, he's a good moral teacher. And maybe, you know, there's some good stuff in there. I just want to get my ticket to heaven. So I'm a fan of this guy. No, compelling disciples of Jesus are people who desperately want to become like Jesus because that's the only way we become the best version of ourselves. We desperately want to be like Jesus because that's the only way we become the best version of ourselves. Sometimes you think, the best version of myself is when I go off to some 36-hour yoga retreat. No, the best version of yourself is when you get around Jesus, you start to become like Jesus. We used to have this song in Sunday school. And... Um, I think that sometimes sort of our measure, our measure for am I doing good? Is my walk with, with God good? Well, have I read my Bible and have I prayed? And as long as I do those couple of things, everything's going to be fine. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be good. Everything's going to sort of sort itself out. We used to have this song in Sunday school that would sort of support this idea. And you might know this song. You might have grown up with it too. But the song went like this. It was like, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow. Grow. Do you remember that one? And then it kept going. It was like, read your Bible, pray every day. You know, if the Sunday school teacher was really good, and you'll grow, grow, like, 
we used to have this Sunday school teacher who came from a Catholic background. Sorry, Catholics, if you're in the room. But she would she'd be like, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But if we got the more Pentecostal uh, Sunday school teacher, you know, he would be like, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And, and he would keep going, and you'll grow. You know what? Just sing it with me. Come on. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then he'd keep it going. And you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow. Grow, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 yeah. Great song. Great song. The problem with this song is this is exactly how the Pharisees measured their growth as well. The religious people who Jesus had to rebuke say, you see, these guys don't be like them. And so there's an issue with this song. And the problem is, is that you can be very disciplined in reading your Bible and your prayer time and still remain prideful and spiteful. You can read your Bible and pray every day and nothing change on the inside. And so we have to ask ourselves, if we're going to be compelling disciples of Jesus, getting it right, what is the well-being of our soul? What is going on in here? And Paul, as he's writing to this Corinthian church, he writes 1 and 2 Corinthians, and he's addressing all of this stuff he sees in the church. And some of it we even see today. And, and Paul is like, guys, I want you to follow Christ because your life is going to get so much better. You know, I just trust me, would you follow Jesus? And he ends this huge letter that he writes to them. He ends it in 2 Corinthians with this. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. He's like, don't settle for good enough. Can I tell you that this church a long time ago could have settled for good enough and said, this is good. Instead, we're saying, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to baptize more people. We're going to reach more people for Jesus. We're going to buy more property one day. We're going to build more buildings one day. Can I tell you, those things are good because we want to reach people for Jesus. There's plenty, there's room for a, a Burger King and all sorts of the town. There's going to be room for all sorts of churches and all that things. If we can put malls everywhere, we can put big churches everywhere. Don't be offended by big church. I'm telling you, God wants to do more. We got to grow our vision. We got to get our expectation up of how many people are going to come to Jesus. If we can fill malls the way we do, come on, we need more churches full of people who love God. Paul says this, where was I? Strive for full restoration. I just believe the church is in some of its best days. I have some friends around the province. I'm actually going to a friend's church tonight to celebrate their fifth anniversary. God's been working through their church. It's amazing. I have so many friends around the province. Everybody I talk to, man, I talk to them with a smile on their face. They're just so excited and encouraged. The churches are filling. People are coming to Jesus. We're in some of the best days. It's a good time to be a believer. God is doing a great work. Don't be discouraged by what you see in the world. All the problems we see around us, I tell you the church is the answer to all of it. Jesus is the answer to all of it. This is the bride. This is the thing he left for us. Get back to 2 Corinthians. What does Paul say? And the love of God and the peace of God will be with you. That's his priority as he ends this huge letter, that the love of God and the peace of God would be with the Corinthians. Paul's priority to this messy church, I pray that the love of God and the peace of God would be with you. And I heard it once said, 
that if we want to assess our spiritual well-being, we must ask ourselves two questions. The first question is, am I growing more easily discouraged these days? When you're trying to assess the spiritual well-being of what is going on within you, am I growing more discouraged these days? And am I growing more easily irritated these days? It just doesn't take much to throw me off. And you might, you know, think of it in a little bit different ways, but that's a way we can, actually, we should just pause and close our eyes for a moment this morning and ask ourselves, am I growing more easily discouraged these days? And am I growing more easily irritated these days? What is going on inside of us and how is it impacting those around me? If the peace of God is growing in me, I'm less easily discouraged. And if the love of God is growing in me, I'm less easily irritated. So we're going to talk through four things that I believe will help you in your transformation today as we want to be compelling disciples of Jesus. We want to think, love, and act like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Paul says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Everybody say freedom. I'll tell you, for the first time ever, first service was more excited than you guys and louder. Okay, so um, I don't need you to be loud for my sake. I need you to be loud for your sake. Okay, so this morning, let everybody say freedom. freedom. Come on, there we go. Oh, you're way louder than them now. You guys are great. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Everybody say transformed. There we go. Into the same image of glory, from one degree, degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So if you want transformation to happen in your life, transformation comes from invitation to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just there to make you feel good on a bad day. When he is invited into our day-to-day life, it helps us imitate Jesus. He transforms us to be like God, which is exactly, this is the funny thing, this is exactly what Adam and Eve wanted. They crossed God's boundary and ate the fruit, whether you think that's figuratively or literally, it doesn't really matter. When they crossed God's boundary, they were trying to be like God. And we look for little ways. We we say, God, you're in control. And then we look for little ways to put ourselves in control. All the time, looking to the wrong things. And I think part of that is we're just looking for freedom. Come on, how many people want more freedom? I do. I want more more freedom in my life, but sometimes we think it manifests in different ways. Like, I wish I had the freedom to live in Palm Springs in the Edmonton winter and fly back on Sundays. Like, that's the kind of freedom I'm looking for. But how many people know if I got that, that's not where freedom comes from. The Bible does not say when your health is perfect, then there'll be freedom. It doesn't say when you go ahead and you fire your boss, you get rid of that nasty boss you have, then you'll have freedom. It doesn't say when your mortgage is paid off, then you'll have freedom. When the RSP hits a certain amount, then, they'll have, then you'll have freedom. No, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So how many people know if we need Christ formed in us, we need to have a, a desire to have His Holy Spirit in and through our lives every day. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's transformation. Why do people, I've unfortunately, I've unfortunately, you know, I've been in church a long time, been in ministry 10 years, full-time, and... Unfortunately, at times you see people just sort of get bored in their faith. And I've gone through seasons like this as well, where I feel stuck. And it's like, it's not that we're offended at anyone. It's not that we're hurt. Sometimes we are, and we need to work on that. 
But people often get bored in their faith because they're not in the process of being transformed. And if you're not around Jesus and becoming like Jesus, your faith will get boring quick. And what happens to church is church just becomes a social club. Are we becoming more like Jesus in our relationship? Is it moving forward? Or are we just running on the hamster wheel of faith, staying in the same place? People get bored when they aren't being transformed. I've heard it said more like this. You know, I've been, uh, I had something radical happen in my faith when I was about 19 years old. Actually, it was when I was 19 years old. And ever since then, been moving, you know, hopefully forward in my walk with God. It's been 17 years later. And here we are. And I'll say that it's, it's gone up and down. It hasn't just gone up and to the right. It's gone up and down for sure. But as I look back, I, what's, what's kept it going is asking myself the question, have I followed Christ deeper for each 17 years or have I just lived the same year 17 times? And sometimes I think we feel stuck and the easy thing to do is to blame uh, external influences and, and say, maybe it's this person's fault or that person's fault or it's the church's fault. And what we have to ask ourselves is, am I allowing myself to be transformed by the Spirit of God? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and the same Spirit that enabled all the people who wrote the Bible to write it. Am I allowing that Spirit in so that I can move forward in being formed by Christ? As you invite the Holy Spirit into your everyday Every moment you begin to imitate Christ. And what happens is, is sometimes when the Bible's become boring or dry for you, when the spirit that wrote it is invited into the moment you read it, starts to come alive. And transformation comes from invitation to the spirit. Transformation also comes from relying on the word of God. Relying on the word of God. Transformation will come when we rely on God's word. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, Paul says this to his, his apprentice, Timothy. He's like writing him some letters to kind of get him ready to go and do ministry and, and how to work with people. And he, this is what he says to him. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He doesn't say, Timothy, throw away the Old Testament. Right? He, he's, he's saying, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, certainly there's some context and some stuff there's culturally that we have to work out. But I think sometimes people are like, well, that's in the Old Testament. I only, you know, Jesus has been here. And the reality of it is, is that Paul is affirming that either it is all God-breathed or none of it is God-breathed. It's all useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what we need to do is we need to filter our actions in life through God's word. And the temptation is, is to filter our actions and how we want to live life through the filter of, did that make me happy? Does that feel good? Does that line up with my five-year plan? Do people still have five-year plans? The world's changing too fast for five-year plans. So that's the temptation. Does it, you know, do I enjoy it? Does it work through my, does it go through my bias? Or sometimes you'll hear people say, is it, was that loving it's like sometimes we're going to have to, to believe some things that are going to feel unloving to some people at times. But we know that the love of God is perfect. 
And so because just because culture says that acting or saying and thinking a certain way is unloving, the reality is, is God's love is perfect. So if we follow this plan, perfect love will direct us towards God and will be the perfect plan for us. We still got to believe that the Bible is for today, everything in it, that is all God breathed. And we're going to follow that, not does it make me happy, does it feel good in the moment, and doesn't agree with everybody on social media. So a discipline we have to develop is, as compelling disciples of Jesus, is did I follow the guidelines laid out for me in the world, in the word, Ooh, not in the world. What, wow, what a difference an L can make. My goodness. Um, regardless of how someone treated me. And Paul kind of, to the, when he's speaking to the Galatians, he's like, he's like the fruit of the spirit, are, you know, all these things. He's like, measure, measure life through that. Is, is the fruit of the spirit starting to flow out of me? Is Christ being formed in me? Do I love the Lord? Do I love my neighbor? Is my life drawing people towards Jesus? Such a good idea to measure your growth. You know, we measure our children's growth. Like we're so intense about all that stuff. Are we measuring our spiritual growth? From what I hear, people who work out measure their growth as well. It's a rumor. I don't know. And it's not true in my life. I'd, so I'd, but why wouldn't we measure our growth? The beauty of the word of God is it reminds you how big God is. Reminds you how good God is. Reminds you of God's history. And sometimes we've given up on a prayer or a person, or a situation. We got to get in the Word and remind ourselves how good God is. Same God that we're singing to today. Same God that we pray to. Same God that did all this work in His Word can do the work in your life as well. It's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Get in His Word. Imitate His Son. It'll transform your life. We need the Bible, but we also need, the, we also need people. And sometimes the temptation is I don't, need, I don't need people, or sometimes people say, I don't need the church. It's full of hypocrites. No, we always have room for one more. We're never full of hypocrites. We always have room for another one. You can join. The, the, the right people will help you to be like Christ. Why do you need people? Why can't we just rely on the Bible? We'll figure it out for ourselves. Why do we need people? Because we're not self-aware enough to do it on our own. I'll get into that in a minute. Proverbs 20, 27, 6 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And I don't know about you, but sometimes what I want in life is we just want to walk around, everybody give me kisses. I want to feel so good. And we don't allow we don't allow our friends to wound us. Remember that, remember that app? Um, I think it's still around, Words with Friends. You need some words from your friends. Not in a scrabble way. I used to play it with my wife when we were falling in love. I'd flirt through it. She'd be like so smart putting seven letter words in. I'd be like, love. <laughs> Kiss. <laughs> we need some wounds from some friends. We need people to tell us when we're off. We need friends that will help purify us. The right friends will help transform your life. We're not self-aware enough to do it on our own. James 5.20 says this, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Can I ask you this morning, who's covering you? Who has permission to tell you when you're off? Who has permission to tell you when you're being dramatic? 
Who has permission to tell you when you're gossiping? Who has permission to tell you when you're, you're being judgmental towards someone? Have you allowed people to save you from death? And often we don't want to lose a friend or hurt somebody's feelings. So what do we do? We say nothing and watch them hurt themselves. What's better is to get wounds from a friend. We've just been kissing them. And we turn ourselves into an enemy, the Bible says. And then this happens to us too. And then we, we wonder, why do, why are those people hurt by me? Why do those people... You know, they think this or that about me. It's often because we don't have someone in our lives to tell us when we're missing it. We need people because we're not as self-aware as we think we are. This week, I read a study in the Harvard Business Review and Dr. Tasha Urich spent more than 10 years surveying 5,000 people about their levels of self-awareness. And I think for most of us, we think we're self-aware. Until this week, I thought I was self-aware until I read this study. She found that 95% of study participants thought that they were self-aware and only about 10 to 15% of them are fully self-aware. And so I think that this is where sometimes we rely on the Bible alone for transformation, but we need people to tell us, hey, have I been off? Did, I, did that come out right? We need self-awareness because we'll read the Beatitudes and think, oh my gosh, I'm so humble. About to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord. And your friends are cringing behind you. <laughs> have we invited people into our process? You can simply just do this. You can, you can sit down with someone and ask them, what's it like to be my friend? Or what's it like to be my coworker? You got to ask the right people, obviously. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to whatever? Men, can I submit that maybe our wives are the voice of the Holy Spirit that we need? That maybe we're, we're thank you, ma'am. I love you. You, yes, she's right. She's listening. She knows. But sometimes we'll be sitting in our room praying, Holy Spirit, give me a word. And he's like, get out of the room. I gave it to your wife. Go and talk to her. Thank God he gave us people to help us in the process of imitating Jesus. Imitation leads to transformation. And you know what all this will bring, which is why I think we avoid it. You know what this will bring? Allowing people to speak to you and give you wounds. Transformation is a painful process. You know what people will bring? Pain. It's going to cost you something. Seeing Christ formed in us to be compelling disciples of Jesus. It's not easy. It's a painful process. For Paul, it was so painful. He was um, writing to the Galatians. He was like, I, I want Christ to be formed in you. I want you to follow after God. I want the, the, a transformation to happen in your li- lives. And he writes this in 4, 19 and 20. He says, my little children, for whom I again am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's how painful 
Paul said this was. He he wanted them to be formed into the image of Christ so badly that he compared it to childbirth. How many people know when this letter went out, Paul got some angry emails from the church ladies after this. this. (laughs) Paul, childbirth? Really? You'll never know that pain. You pig, how could you? But Paul had this deep, painful desire to see Christ formed in these people, for them to think love and act like Jesus, for them to imitate their great savior. And in the same way that Paul was in pain over the Galatians transformation, our spiritual formation comes at a cost of pain in our own lives. Lately, it's been social pain. That sometimes we're going to have to, as we, as we see Christ formed in us, people aren't always going to agree with our decisions or the way we live our life. Some, sometimes it's going to cost like forgiveness. If we're going to see Christ formed in us and we're going to forgive those who've offended us, that's going to be painful. Some of us in the room have some forgiveness that we have to, we have to process this morning. And what happens in forgiveness is unforgiveness is like we're, we're holding on to so tightly what people did to us. What happens in forgiveness is we're giving up our right to get even. And so we lose that thing we've been holding on to so tightly. And that is painful. It's pain. It's painful to give up the right to get even. It's painful to choose God's way sometimes. It is so much easier to follow our emotions and what feels best. But you know, Jesus said that this would be the way for our lives. In Luke 33, he says, if you can't sacrifice, you can't be my disciple. There's a significant cost to being a disciple. But what happens as we go through pain, God expands our soul through suffering. You know that suffering is a shortcut to maturity in Christ. Sometimes I'll meet a young person and just think, why is this person so mature? Why do they just seem so level-headed? And often what will happen is following that, I'll find out a little bit more about their story it's like, oh, they've suffered significantly. That's why they're so mature today. Suffering brings us closer to Christ because we serve a God that suffered. You know, Jesus is the only God with scars. Jesus paid more than we ever could. It was more painful for him than we'll ever understand. The pain that Jesus suffered is yet another symbol of how God is always working to get his children back to him. God will never give up on your transformation. Peter is, the disciple Peter is such an encouraging figure for me in the Bible. I love Peter, my favorite disciple. You gotta love Peter. Why do I love Peter? He makes so many mistakes. Like, let's be real. Peter's so dumb. You gotta think, this guy, the only I'm pretty sure that there might be one other, but there's, the, the, from what I can remember on the top of my head, he's the only human besides Jesus to walk on water. Yet he sees a wave and he's like, oh, it's going to get me. Jesus is like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you surf with no board, man. Come on. He just does such silly things. Or he's, he spends his whole time with Jesus and, and he sees Jesus do all these miracles. He knows how much power Jesus has. Yet still in the garden, you know, the soldiers go to take him and Peter's like, I'm going to cut your ear off. Gotcha. And Jesus is like, no, you know the plan. I got to die. Let's put his ear back on. Come on. Come on, Peter. He lives for three years with Jesus, spends all this time with Jesus. 
In fact, many scholars believe that Jesus had a little headquarters in Galilee set up in Peter's home, which would mean that Jesus and Peter had sleepovers. This is how tight they were. Yet Peter denies Jesus and Jesus knows he's gonna. But what does God do? Keeps restoring him, keeps using Peter's life. After Jesus' death, Peter goes on and his ministry continues. God restores Peter time and time again. I wanna tell you this morning, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, God will restore you. God hasn't given up on his plan for you. God knows your name. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. He knows what people have said about you, but he does not say those things. You need to get in his word, find out what he says about you. Loves you so much, wants to restore you. That's what he did all throughout the Bible is God bringing his people back to him. Even though we make such foolish mistakes and we run away from him, he's always there waiting for us to turn back to him. And sometimes we're spinning the wheels of our walk with God, not moving forward, but living the same year, year after year. But when you make imitation of Christ a priority, transformation becomes the result. We want to be compelling disciples of Jesus. Sometimes we focus on the transformation. Focus on the one who set the best example. Focus on imitation with him, of him and he'll transform your life. And the result of Christ being formed in us is that Jesus continues to live on this earth through us. Can I pray for you? God, thank you so much for the people in this room. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives today. God, we're just, we wanna draw closer to you. We love you so much. Thank you, God, for giving us your spirit, your Holy Spirit, the word of God. Thank you for surrounding us with great people. We don't need a bunch. Just a couple good friends will help us. And then God, I just thank you that we'd be ready to pay the the price, the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. It does cost something. And I pray that we wouldn't, uh, wouldn't allow that to throw us off, but we'd walk through that pain and that process. It's the cost of being a disciple. There's some people in the room who you just feel far from God. You feel distant. This morning, you're just even feeling shame. Can I tell you, shame is not from God. Guilt might be, but shame is not. It's okay to feel upset about what you've done, but not about who you are. You're a child of the Most High God. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you. Do you know if, you, if Jesus was just dying for you alone, it'd still be worth it to God? His word, Jesus told us that he would, if there's a a hundred sheep and there's 99 that are together and safe, but there's one wandering on its own that's in danger, Jesus would leave those 99. He would risk that to go and, and find the one lost one. And today you might feel like that one lost sheep. I wanna tell you that God is calling you home this morning. He sent his son Jesus to pay the price for your sin. It's not that you deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can just accept it this morning. And that'll be another beginning for you, a fresh beginning, a new start. Whether it's a brand new start or you need another new start, that's okay. If you're recommitting your life, that's, that's okay. 
says in his word, all you got to do is believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth. You'll be saved. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now to do that. And I'm going to just ask everybody who calls himself a follower of Jesus, would you repeat this prayer with these amazing, brave people praying with me today? Say this, God, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my freedom. I believe that you're my Lord and God raised you from the dead. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to dwell within me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God praise for all he's done in this room today. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.